I think it's easy to get excited at an event. Like mm-hmm. We had a live event, for example, last year, and um, it's easy to get excited. Like, oh, yeah, let's work together. Let's do this. This is going to be great. And, um, and you get all amped up. But then when it, the rubber meets the road, you know, it's someone who follows up who's actually interested in you as well. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Dr. Vanessa Peters. This is her third appearance on the show. She is now the most recurring guest on the Passive Wealth Strategy Show and uh, happy to have her back on the show to talk about what she's up to lately in putting together, building a land entitlement fund. And we talk about the business model of land entitlement investing, how it works, what they do with the land, who their customer is, what some of the risks are, all that great stuff. We also talk about her journey as a real estate investor slash doctor and what she's done so far. All all great stuff um, about syndication investing, so many awesome things about building passive income and passive wealth through real estate investing. So it's going to be a great one and happy. Once again, I'm happy to have her back on the show and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one as well. If you're new to the show and you haven't yet, please take a second, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple Podcast user, please take a quick second, leave us a five-star rating and review. Very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And, you know, it helps me feel good. I get to see what you guys have to say. And I appreciate it so much. It means so much to me. And, you know, it takes 30 seconds. So I don't ask for much. I'm just asking for a rating and review. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I've not actually invested in land entitlement in the past, but, you know, it might be something to look forward to in the future as, uh, you know, land's not going anywhere. They're not making any more of it. And, um, there's a lot of demand for housing built on land. So, uh, you know, hey, might work for you, might work for me. I don't know. Today, we're going to learn about that. So without any further ado, here we go with Dr. Vanessa Peters. Vanessa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Taylor. Hey, it's uh, great to talk with you once again. You're the most frequent guest on the show uh, <laughs> now, setting the record. So uh, congratulations to you. But uh for our listeners out there, you know, could you tell us a bit about your background and, and get us you know, caught up too, because it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. Very excited to be here. I'm a family physician. I work in San Diego, uh, California. I'm also the medical director for a group of about 80, 85 doctors and physician assistants. And I love real estate investing. Uh, so I started investing in real estate about 13 years ago, you know, during the crash. Um, but did it kind of just as a one-off thing that somebody recommended. And then I didn't do any more, unfortunately. <laughs> I just kind of sat that home up there in Riverside County and forgot about it. It kept going down for a couple of years. And so I was a little bit turned off and I wasn't well-educated in the space. So it just kind of sat there. Um, then things kind of continue to improve as we all know. And we all get busy with our lives, getting married. I had a child and then um, it was quite a few years down the road, you know, about eight or nine years before I kind of woke up and was like, dang, that house up there is doing really, really well. I think I would like (laughs) to buy more of them. Why don't I do that? 
I just thought, well, let's do that. I did that before. I can do that again. Of course, by then, everything was way out of price range in San Diego County. And um, But I knew that I wanted to improve my net worth um, and make it better than just what I was getting, which was just saving money and putting it in my 401k. And, uh, you know, I'm a, a make a good income, accredited investor, you know, what can I do with my money? Uh, I didn't know about all the alternatives that I know now. And so I was looking around at uh, places to buy just single family homes or condos, et cetera. Couldn't find anything here locally. Couldn't find anything nearby. Looked out of state. Didn't want to go down the out of state turnkey route because it just seemed risky to me to buy um, a home in a place that's in another state of plane right away. But when I kept looking, because I was pretty determined to find something in real estate, I knew, I just knew that it was the way um, I found about syndications. And I was like, well, what the heck is that? You know, I ignored it for a while. Um, I was on bigger pockets every day and it kept coming up. And so I finally, okay, what is this? And I was like, okay, well, this is pretty cool. Nobody was really saying too much about it though. I couldn't really go online and Google it. So I contacted a few people and learned what it really was what the real returns were. And I was like, light bulb went off. That's perfect. So <laughs> I've basically been addicted to that ever since. Took as much money out of my 401k as I could and put it into syndications. And, you know, fast forward like three or four years, it's just been a great ride. You know, I really, I love the alternative investing space in real estate and all of the different options that are out there. Of course, first I focused on multifamily, um, the bread and butter, you know, the, the B class and um, the, the, the value add or core plus. Um, and then I started branching out a little bit into other stuff like maybe some self-storage, mobile home parks. That was pretty much the extent of my diversification. Um, I, you know, became, um, I created my business, VMD Investing, because I saw a niche where there were so many uh, busy professionals like myself who didn't have a clue that these options were out there for their capital. And so I just wanted to educate them and also maybe help bring them into deals. Since many of the deals were 506B, you know, you had to know somebody and I didn't know anybody. Luckily, I had the tenacity to figure it out, but most people don't. Um, they just aren't that interested in it. And if you're not the type of person to take out 10 books from the library about real estate, then you may not find out about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to spread the word to people who were open to it and found that there was, you know, a fertile ground of many professionals, not just doctors, but other, you know, walks of life that were like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know about that. So I find it kind of uh, an energizing part of my day to speak with investors and uh, potential people who are interested and getting on podcasts and spreading the word. Um, and partnering with a handful of operators on different deals. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, but my ultimate goal still is to become financially free, you know. So keep going back to the why, because it's easy in this day and age to just get shiny object syndrome and be like, oh, you know, I really need to do this because this is what everybody's doing. I really want to buy. I went through a thing where I wanted to buy a self-storage myself and, you know, and I was going to take a course and I just got to be like, okay, wait a minute, Vanessa, what are you doing this for? Why? Well, because it's interesting because it could be cool because I could make a lot of money. Well, yeah, but how much time is that really going to take? And do you have it? And so I keep coming back to how much time do I have really because I feel like superwoman sometimes where I feel like I can take on a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> and get it all done. But then my family's like, hey, over here, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and so I have to reel myself back in. And I think so many of us in this space are excited about it and we want to do more. But I got, OK, I want passive income. I want to be financially free. So I want to hit that mark where my income as a physician is replaced by real estate income. 
I'm, a, I'm not there yet. I won't be there for a while. That's okay, though, because I do love my job as well. And I'm happy to keep working and I have lots of energy. But, you know, as I sort of grow my portfolio and expand it, I'm trying to do it thoughtfully and making sure that um, that I'm not jumping on a bandwagon that's too hot or, you know, that I'm making smart decisions. So in the past year, um, as part of a masterminding part of, I've been expanding my portfolio to other areas of real estate. Um, some of those include hospitality um, and assisted living facilities and um, some venture capital, which is not real estate related at all, um, and even some precious metals. And so I'm you know, trying to spread out the risk. I love real estate, um, but it's you know, not all there is out there. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more scientific, I guess, and, and saying like, you know, my goal for precious metals is, you know, like 3%. Um, my goal for venture capital is 10% and try and take out some of the emotion of like, well, I just want to buy another house. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, and then most recently I've learned and uh, become involved with uh, folks who are doing land entitlement. And so that's kind of my big push right now is um, this really cool niche of, of land entitlement, whereby uh, folks take broad land and convert it to entitled land. There's other words for it, like paper lots, Permitted lots, um, shovel ready, you know, that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, um, you are getting all of the pre-work done for the national home builders or any builder to build on the land. Most smaller builders would do it all themselves. But the big national home builders have made some corporate structural changes where they prefer to buy things that are shovel ready because um, it's, it reduces the risk and it also reduces the time it takes them to get the homes to market. So back in 2008, 2009, they had a lot of raw land and unfortunately mm-hmm. overnight it became literally worthless. And so that was risky for them. They took a hit and they already were you know, having trouble because nobody wanted new homes. They survived, obviously, but they said, you know what, let's not buy any more raw land. Let's just try and get it shovel ready. And so if you have the right connections with the national home builders, you can do extremely well in this space because they will, the national home builders come to these operators that I'm working with and say, hey, you know, we'd like that piece of land out there in South Carolina. Please buy it, get it ready, and, you know, we'll buy it from you. And here's an LOI. So the, um, and the beauty of it, is um, it's not a DIY process that anybody can do. You need to have experts in the field who know the people to get it zoned correctly and get the city permits and engineering proposals, make sure the soil is healthy, that there's not some kind of like, you know, nuclear stuff under there, or um, is there giant boulders everywhere that would just be a pain to demolish to get in there, you know, but you're not doing any of the actual work. You're just making sure it's good to do the work. Um, You're not moving any dirt or plumbing or doing any electrical or building roads. So once it's all ready to go, there can be something called um, a simultaneous close. Where So you've had the land under contract, but you don't actually pay for it. And then you sell it at the same time. So you can kind of actually need less capital that way. It's just one way to do it, but there's other ways to do it. So uh, we started a fund for this uh, uh, type of investing, and um, I think it'll be a really great space right now. It's it's an opportune time, really, because single-family homes are just, you know, so needed right now. Um, most In most areas of the country, the, the real estate market is hot, and it's going up, and people can't find single-family homes, you know, and we're talking about affordable homes here, not McMansions. Those are in the 150 to 325 thousand dollar range so it's providing a needed affordable homes um, and of course uh, hopefully get some inventory out there 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, thank you for you know catching us up. And one of the things you mentioned kind of early on was after getting into multifamily, you then started to diversify within the syndication space into different asset classes. And that's one of my favorite things about the syndication investing world is just how many options there are out there for passive investors to get into a variety of asset classes, locations, strategies, operators, all the gr- those uh, great things that can provide some diversification cash flow and you know help you uh, manage risk and everything. And the land entitlement space, I think is, as you mentioned, filling a very important market need and that we need in most markets, really most metros need significantly more housing than we're going to get over the next you know, few, maybe five years or so. We, we need a lot more of it. We need folks investing in the space. So there's a lot of uh, demand for it. But one of the things that, that interests me as an investor, I think back about my personal experience, right? So I graduated from high school in 2007, just to date myself a little bit and uh, went to college. But just prior to that, I grew up in the country and there had been a, a, an old, old farm that hadn't been worked for a long time across the road from us where I grew up maybe 2005, 2006, a developer bought that land from the family that owned it for a a pretty penny. I don't know exactly how much, but exactly as you said, happened, happened. The the Mm -hmm. housing market fell apart. They didn't build anything on it for for years and years and years. And, And now in 2021, they're still building houses on it, even though it's been well over a decade, right? I'm in my 30s now. We're talking about when I graduated from high school. And that risk is is one of the things that really um, I, I want to say concerns me because it sounds like you've you, you know in your fund you guys have done the work. This, there are structural changes now that have kind of mitigated some of those risks. Can you talk about how you know you you go and either vet these national home builders or or vet the location, everything? Just you know, what are your options? How do you avoid that really that that thing happening again? Right. 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 Absolutely. And. Personally, I've shied away from ground up development in, in my portfolio because of like kind of just my my gist of like, gosh, that sounds risky, you know, because what if this, what if that, you know, it can take a long time. And I did invest in a self-storage that was a ground up in a very nice area in Maryland. It still hasn't been built yet. That was like two years ago. Wow. You know, it's just like things go slow. You hit a hiccup that you can't anticipate. And so I felt like, well, yeah, they they claim to have better returns, but how long is it going to be before you actually see anything, right? And so this does break things up into chunks because you're taking land and getting it permitted. It takes nine to 18 months to do that. And so that's pretty short term, right? You're not the builder. And the beauty of it too is that we're doing due diligence on the property and not actually purchasing it until we're 100% sure that it will be sold. Um, because if you do encounter a problem with the land, you don't want to have already, there's a contingency in the contract, which basically states if we find something that makes this land unbuildable, we are out. You mm-hmm. know, we'll probably have an earnest money deposit we lose. And of course, all of the money we put into the um, the due diligence, you know, like the engineering or et cetera, whatever it is that we have to put into it, that's Generally, not that much, though, about $50,000. And if you're talking about, say, a $6 million plot of land, that's a small investment to make to make sure you don't lose $6 million, right? So um, that kind of divides it up. Plus, it's nimble in that if it's short enough term that I don't think the the bottom is going to fall out of our housing market in the next nine to 18 months. You know, we all know there's a pent up demand. 
there's a lack of foreclosures providing inventory to the market due to the moratorium on such and such due to COVID. And um, so we feel pretty confident that the inventory is going to remain lower than it should be for at least a couple of years, right? And so this is a five to seven year fund, but there's this interesting clause where you can you can take your money out of it in, in a year if you'd like to, which is unusual. There's not usually liquidity in funds like that. And um, and so being that the, the deals are short term, there's also another arm to the fund, which is built for rent. You know, so there's homes that this company, this operator used to do and are just pivoting towards the land. But they have 250 homes in the queue already that they're going to finish up. They're going to build, sell, rent or, you know, sell to turnkey operators or buy and hold, that'll provide cash flow to the fund as well as some depreciation. Um, so it's another way of sort of mitigating the risk, I feel. Nice. So one of my favorite things about investing in existing uh, properties and multifamily self-storage is that we can get pretty inexpensive debt, inexpensive leverage. I mean, it's, you know, less than 5%. It's I, I hear folks getting investment loans for under 3% at this point, which when you factor in inflation is really kind of free money. How about in land entitlement? Are you able to use leverage? Is this all cash? Like how's all the financing all working? Yeah. So it depends on who you're talking to. Depends mm -hmm. on which side you're on, right? So the interesting thing with this fund is that um, while it is an equity fund from the perspective of the investor in the fund, it's actually a debt instrument. Hmm. So the um, the operator, it's a partnership with the operator in our, and the, um, the GPs of the fund. So we're providing the capital to the operator to go out and get the land. And whether that's doing their due diligence or actually purchasing lots and you know then selling them, so there we're basically doing a hard money loan to the operator to provide us. And so the reason that it's equity to the investors is because there's a preferred return and then there's profit sharing. So the more deals that turn over, it's it's variable. It's not like we're saying to an investor, if you put 100k in, we're going to give you you know 15 or 16 percent x period. If I make more, then you know you don't. But it's it's variable because as the hard money lenders are the the money coming into the fund will vary and that's how it's sort of an equity a little bit interesting interesting okay so it sounds like uh it might not for the investors if somebody's investing with a you know an ira or whatever it might not generate ubit might not be udfi no there shouldn't be any ubit yeah hmm. because there's from the from from the fund point of view there's no leverage yeah. But on the other hand, there's not going to be as much depreciation. So hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the first of all, land doesn't really depreciate that much. <laughs> um and but there's the build for rent product, which will provide some depreciation to the fund. Nice. Nice. And you mentioned earlier on that you found your uh your partners in this, you know, uh fun and everything through uh mastermind, right? Can you tell us about connecting with them and, and, you know, vetting them because, you know, when you're in masterminds groups like this, you meet a lot of people, right? And it's kind of, it can be tough to figure out, you know, who, who am I going to work with? Who has uh, goals aligned? Who can I help? You know, all those things. How did you work through that uh, conundrum? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting when you belong to these groups, you, um, you exchange a lot of virtual or real business cards and, you know, then you get really excited about something. Um, but it's really who 
I feel like you have a connection with uh, in terms of values and goals and also who who follows through. You know, I think it's easy to get excited at an event. Like mm-hmm. We had a live event, for example, last year, and um, it's easy to get excited. And, oh, yeah, let's work together. Let's do this. This is going to be great. And, um, and you get all amped up. But then when it, the rubber meets the road, you know, it's someone who follows up who's actually interested in you as well. I'm really kind of, I like to take the temperature in a conversation about how much someone else talks and how many questions they ask. And, and if they're really just kind of talking a lot and at the end of the conversation, <laughs> they don't know really anything about me, then it makes me think, well, they probably aren't the best partner because I want someone who's going to be interested in people, not just me, but how do we know if we're a good fit if they don't know who I am, right? And, um, you know, then also how are they going to be with uh, our potential investors? And, and, you know, it's just kind of a, a personality trait that I look for, someone who listens and questions rather than talks. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I hate to be that guy, right? But do you think that's a men versus women thing that you maybe <laughs> would have that intuition? Because I think it's a great point, uh, but I don't know if I would have personally, if I would have thought of that. I don't think it's a male female thing, honestly, you know, in the, in the personal development space, I've become more acutely aware of that though. Mm. When you go to functions that are kind of more personal development, like for example, like Hal Elrod events, that sort of thing, they have this structure where they have you interview another person. And it's kind of interesting. It's like, this is an interview. This is not a conversation. So you're asking questions and the other person gets to answer and you don't get to chime in with, oh yeah, me too. And da da da. <laughs> you know, just like you're interviewing me. Right. So yeah. And then you go to other types of events, which are maybe a little more real estate focused or whatever. And, and you find a lot of people are just kind of pulling their own chain and talking about themselves. So it, like I said, in the personal development space, there's plenty of guys there and they're inquisitive and they're curious and they want to know about you. And that's refreshing. Nice. I, you know, for listeners out there, if you ever want a painful lesson in that, go host an interview based podcast, do a few hundred episodes and go back and listen to yourself and think, <laughs> shut up, you know, and put in, get, put yourself in my shoes. It kind of could you, you know, think it hurts sometimes, but uh, anyway, you know, I, yeah. it can be cringy. <laughs> So you also, uh, previous time you were on the show, uh, you're talking about a, a book that you've released. Can you uh, tell our listeners who haven't heard um, about the book and you know how it's done for you It's and you know what's done for your business? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I've written a book called The Busy Professional's Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. The tagline is A Physician's Path to Building Wealth, Creating Financial Freedom, and Leaving a Legacy. And um, I wrote it because I just found myself having the same conversation with people over and over again. And you'll hear that, you know, it's your it's your business card, you know, that people hopefully won't throw away. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's a quick read. It's a primer on syndication. But even more importantly, because many of your folks probably already know everything there is in there about syndications, because it's really for people who don't know anything. It's, it's about my why, my journey, how I got there. And like I said, at the beginning of the interview today is like really just trying to keep that in focus in terms of your why. For example, you know, I purchased some short-term rentals and I kind of want to buy more and I'm not sure why, <laughs> hmm. you know, they don't make a lot of money. Is it, it's just like a, it's like a dopamine hit. I think when you see a property <laughs> that you might want to buy and you know, there's just, it's just interesting to me that I, I find myself needing to reflect on why do you want to do that? Because it may not be the most, the most logical thing to do. 
but it's something that's fun and it's cool and et cetera. Um, so, but having the book has opened up a lot of doors for me. I've been able to speak at some events. Um, it's not like I'm making $5,000 a month on it on Amazon or anything like that, but it's more about like, I'll chat with an investor and be like, Hey, can I mail you a copy of my book? And so it's more of a, it's trust building and relationship building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. I like that. One of the things they, uh, uh, out there in the in the ether at, at these events, when you meet a short term rental investor, most of them seem to talk about how great of a you know cash cow they are. They make so much money, and I can in a, in a certain way I can relate to the feeling of I want to own that because every time I go to the beach, stay in a beach house, I'm like, man, I want to own all of these. They're so cool. I love it. I'd love to come down here more often. Does it is that what it is? Like you just see the properties, you love them, and I'm curious. Or I'm, I'm uh, interested by saying it doesn't make that much money because I feel like when you hear short-term yeah. rental, that's all about, they make this take 10 grand a month on this one, 12 on that, like yeah, astronomical numbers. Well, let's just say I'm a mom and pop short-term rental investor. Mm-hmm. So I am learning and it took me, first of all, I bought a condo in Maui in December of 2019. Sweet except that COVID hit three months later. Oh, so yes, true. it was awesome until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then I, fortunately it's a small place and I could float it, but um, you know, it was eight or nine months when it was completely empty, you know? So I was like, that's kind of a crappy start, <laughs> you know, it should be netting me a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, but being a mom and pop investor in this realm, because I'm focused on other things, I hadn't really run the numbers properly and um, you know, taking into account all the expenses and the taxes, you know, Maui has a 14% tax on Whoa. short-term rentals. Was I adding that? No, I wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of a big deal. I'm adding it now, but you know, there's little things that, you know, you're like, oh yeah. And the, the other thing that makes it a little bit addictive is those PayPal deposits that you get from <laughs> each each guest. It's like you received in, in a, you know, a, a 1500 or $2,000 or $2,500 deposit. Oh, I'm making so much money. But, you know, it's just a lesson in making sure that you know what you're doing. And uh, when you're treating it as a business, you'll probably do extremely well. Um, I also have other motivations. I want to visit Maui. And so, you know, I want to go there three times a year with my family. I want it to be a place where my son is like, we have a condo there and I know the people <laughs> in the area and I know other kids and we go to the beach. You know, I want it to be a memory for him growing up. And, um, and I also just bought one here in San Diego, which is nuts. Like, why did I do that? Well, I did it because um, my parents are Canadian and I want them to come down and visit. So I had criteria. I was like, it has to be a sunny south facing condo in Carlsbad, which is where they want to be. And I paid a pretty penny for it and I'll probably break even. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, the motivation is not just to make money. It's because I want to give back to my folks and have them stay with me for longer, but not in my house, which is really awesome to have them 20 minutes away. Cause that makes a completely different dynamic having your folks <laughs> living um, a little farther away. <laughs> nice. That makes sense. I understand now I was going to ask why, you know, in many markets throughout COVID, we've still seen real estate prices continue to rise. It might not be the same for vacation markets, but I would, I don't know about Maui, but I would think, or I would assume you might be able to sell the condo without taking a huge loss if you really wanted to it still but if you want to keep it for vacation purposes i can see why you wouldn't necessarily want to 
So, yeah. yeah. Well, I just visited Maui for the first time and uh, we spent a week out there. I worked my butt off cleaning it up, et cetera. Um, but it was so fun and I just mm-hmm. love it there. And now, of course, I want to buy another one. And I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't make any money, <laughs> you know, so... Go hang out with uh, Brandon Turner and the other bigger pockets guys that are it's living in out Kihei. there. It's I think that's where Brandon is, but yeah, yeah, it's an it's a lovely area. Well, Vanessa, thank you for coming back on the show, joining us, talking about, uh, telling us about your land entitlement fund and the other cool stuff that you're up to. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch with you, they want to find you on the internet, what have you, where can they do that? Absolutely, uh, you can get a hold of me. Um, my website is is vmdinvesting.com. That also has a link to the the, uh, the investor portal for the fund. If you're interested in poking around and checking out the documents and the investment summary, that's a 506C. And um, also you can just email me at vanessa at vmdinvesting.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a second, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. We rank higher in the algorithm and it helps me feel good and I really appreciate it. So that would be very much appreciated. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.